Welcome to the Swim Swim Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, I've got a very special guest. He is the assistant coach for Drury University Swimming. He also coaches club. He also swam with me in high school. And he also <laughs> just had one of his swimmers break two, count them one, two, uh, D2 national records uh, lat- two weekends ago, the weekend before Thanksgiving. We've got Zach Mertens today. Zach, how's it going, man? Living the dream, Coleman. <laughs> Biggest cup of coffee I've had this morning. <laughs> Yeah, we're just happy to be here. I'm very awake. You know, we've been out for a while, so I'm just trying to crank out the day and looking forward to hang out with you and more swim practices. Oh, yeah. Did you you guys have practice this morning? Yeah. So we have a bunch of different like little subgroups go on and most of them are dependent on class schedules. So we had a group in the water at like 630. I think distance was already in there at I think they started at 530 on Wednesday morning um they run a full two-hour practice in the morning so that they can kind of chill on Wednesday nights um nice. so yeah we've been we've been at it already today for quite some time you've been doing it uh <clears throat> so so let's let's start out with with this uh 2020 SMU versus Drury dual meet uh it was November 19th to 21st so just just last last weekend mm-hmm. um the big story Carol Ostrowski is that how mm-hmm. you say his yeah. name all right. Yeah. Uh, he went 41-5 and 19-0 in the 50 mm-hmm. and 100 yard freestyles. This is like his second short course meet, or you know, <laughs> close to it. He's barely mm-hmm. raced short course. He's a freshman this year, and uh, he broke both D2 national records. Um, the 100 free held by Marius Kusch, um, who we know is now an elite swimmer for Germany. Um, he swam for Queens University before that. Um, so. Take us through that meet. What were you guys focusing on heading into that meet? And particularly you being the primary sprint coach at Drury, what were you looking for out of your guys? I think when we went to that meet, we definitely approached it with the attitude of, what are you waiting for? We we don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the season. We've got a shot. You take every shot that you get. Uh, so they they came out of the gate um, guns blazing that first night I think was draw job or draw job jaw dropping for me uh, as far as what they actually are capable of doing you know we um, we not only had a, a dude go 19-0 we had a dude go 19-5 and we I think we had two dudes who went 20 points the first time in their life and you know everybody across the board even outside of the sprint was swimming fast and that was that was a really cool moment where the team realized that they're a team that can do something really special together. They're they're a team that's unlike teams that we've created before here at Drury, and that they're capable of some really cool stuff. So after after that first night at finals, they really took it upon themselves to get behind each other as a team and and really encourage each other to swim fast uh, and. And to just execute uh, as far as they went through the weekend. I think that 
you know, by by and large, we not only had swimmers at, at the very top of our you know roster swim really fast, but all the way through, uh, we had some amazing swims, and that was really cool. I think you know we had three other boys go forty three, um, which for a Division two school is pretty sweet. Um, you know, we had four boys at the meet go forty seven and one hundred fly. Uh, which was really cool and amongst lots of other really awesome swims throughout the weekend that that was it was really special for the team I think we had an exit meeting after uh, the meet was done where we all kind of like sitting outside uh, in SMU's parking lot and you know coach Reynolds kind of came up to the, the entire team and they were like you guys just did something in there that you know it feels like Drury University back in like 2009 where people were like this school is, you know, crazy and, and they, they're getting a hold of recruits that nobody else can get a hold of and, and they're developing kids really well and they're just making such an imprint on Division two swimming and they're going so fast, beating everybody. And, you know, and he was like, that's what it feels like right now. And hold on to this feeling because, you know, you have to covet it and you have to take care of it for it to never go away. So it was it was a cool meet, uh, great weekend. You know, we we narrowly missed a third NCAA record on the girls' side. Um, you know, Lauda Pereja, a junior backstroker, missed like the two hundred backstroke by like like seven one hundredths, I think, um, which is also wild. Uh, she went like one fifty five six. Um, so it was a cool meet across the board. We got to do some really special things as a team. <laughs> That, that, that sounds like a really great experience. For those <laughs> unfamiliar, Drury University, it's a D2 school in Springfield, Missouri. I, the only reason I know where it is is because I'm from Missouri. Uh, <clears throat> and But, you know, it's like you guys, like you said, 2009, 10 years ago, a while back, Drury was a powerhouse. Like D2, every, every, everyone kind of knew who Drury was. Um and because, because, like you said, they were getting recruits that no one else could seem to get, and they were having a lot of success. And so this is a special season in particular because, obviously, we're in a global pandemic. Um, I mean, did you guys even think there would be a season a few months ago? I remember getting on a team Zoom uh, with just the sprint group, and – a lot of our international students, we're about one third international. We're one of the more international heavy teams. In the I remember getting on that and, you know, they were just kind of like lingering on and kind of like limping on a Zoom as 20 somethings do. And I was sitting there and just talking with some of them. And, you know, one of the girls on the team goes, Zach, are you serious? Are we really going to have a season? I was just like, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen in a few months. I didn't think our NCAA was going to get ha uh, canceled a few weeks ago. So who knows? Um, you know, we're going to continue to, you know, work to get you back on the campus. We're going to continue to work to plan for you guys to arrive. And once you guys get here, we're going to go to work. And they were like, that sounds like a simple plan. Let's do that. <laughs> so we, we throughout the entirety of the pandemic and, and as it's still ongoing, really approach the team with the idea that we just need to be putting one foot in front of the other right now. We need to stay focused on, you know, taking care of ourselves. We need to stay focused on, you know, taking care of those around us. And we need to do what we can and don't do what we can't. Uh, 
a lot of teams have lots of different restrictions right now, uh, us included, and we just have to play within those restrictions. And we have to do the best that we can be uh, with how those impact our lives every day. Yeah. Yeah. And so t- take me through, especially this kind of like spring, summer months. Um, what, did you guys have anyone on campus it, on the swim team? Um, like, were you, were you training over the summer? Were you sending out workouts? Did everyone just have a five month break? You know, like what was you guys situation? Yeah. So we, after we got back from NCAA, so our NCAA was canceled on day two, like right after prelims. I remember we were just like sitting in the lobby uh, of our hotel and I was about to load up a group onto the bus. Uh, Coach Reynolds had already taken like uh, some of the distance crew on to the meet. And he basically just calls me from the parking lot and he says, they're not letting me into the pool. And I was just like, oh, let me go inside and tell these kids that we're not going to the pool. Let me be right back. Need a little bit more coffee before this. Um, So once we got back to campus, we have a few kids that have some shots to make Olympic teams. Um, We had some kids who have already qualified or are trying to qualify for Olympic trials. And at that point in time, nobody knew it. So we basically got back on our buses. We got back on our plane. We flew home and we had kids like in the water on Sunday. Uh, We were like, we were right back in the water. And then that Monday, our conference shut down our facility and and campus so that we could not host any sort of athletically related activities we could not use athletics facilities at all so at that point we were locked out and then our school went totally virtual and they basically just sent everybody home if you were an international student you could stay on campus and we had a few that elected to do so just because of travel concerns they didn't want to travel and go home and, and possibly you know get everybody at home so yeah. we had a few kids elect to stay um fast forward a month and a half i believe our total stay at home order lasted uh we started getting back in the water uh, i believe it's like may i think may 1st was the first day that we were allowed to go back to swimming and we were doing it exclusively outside one of the cool things that drury university has access to is we have access to um one of the cool older guys in the sport brian reynolds who he has been a springfield dude for the last 38 years i believe no he graduated from Drury 38 years ago and then he was at Drury two years before that so he has been here he has connections in the community so we were able um to organize with him uh our our senior club coach coach thomas bauman uh to get access to three different pools that we had the ability to train at. Uh, so the college kids at that point were able to get in as part of the club. Um, and, and we kind of kept rolling that for, for a few months. Uh, I believe in June, we finally got access to Drury University's facilities. Uh, and at that point, you know, the club migrated back into Drury in limited numbers, but we kept operating uh, through all of those facilities as well. So we've had a select few college kids um, who hang on to Springfield Aquatics over the summer, uh, stick around. Uh, a few of our international kids um, stuck around over the summer and with Springfield Aquatics. Um, they actually got to go to one of like the very first meets that was held um, over in Joplin. It was an outdoor meet. Uh, they swam long course after kind of swimming a little bit over the summer. Only There's a long course, course pool in Joplin, Missouri. 
There is. It's actually awesome. Like, it's really nice. It's an outdoor, I think it's 10 lanes, 50 meters wow. by, um, or, or maybe it's eight lanes. It's like 10 lanes, 50 meters. Um, 25 yards. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. Tons of deck space. They have a full Um, but we ended up going to a meet there. It swam really well. And then we kind of came back. We ended up having to do a two week quarantine before, or when all of our swimmers got on campus. And after that point, you know, we had our, our COVID-19 protocols that we were following. You know, I run probably five practices per day, two hours ago. Um, you know, we run two weight sessions in the morning and we split weights up. You know, we have an A group, B group, A group, B group, which is basically guys, girls. Uh, that way we limit the total number of people that's in the pool, in the gym at any given time. So, you know, that's how we usually do it. That's how we space everybody out. So it's a lot of time on deck. But before the pandemic even happened, we were doing practices pretty much the same. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for us to have groups as small as like five to ten in the water. Uh, we're working with one one of the group coaches at any given time. So it wasn't too much of a shock for the swimmers coming back, uh, except for, you know, you're going to sit down in a chair, keep your mask on, and I'm going to take um, I'm going to record it, send it to athletic training, and then, you know, we get cooked. So that hasn't, that was like the only difference that a lot of our swimmers have really noticed as far as how we operate the pool space. So, I mean, it sounds like you guys have been chugging along for the last six months, you know, pretty much one way or the other, you know, everyone's had kind of their bumps that they've run into, but I mean, that's pretty cool that you guys have been able to operate in some capacity, um, yeah. which se seems great. And so, so, you know, you said that schedule is not too different for you. You're running groups of five to 10. Um, how, how big is the team total? I mean, you guys have three coaches, right? And, and what do you see as the benefits of having uh, breaking up those groups like that yeah so we have we have three primary coaches we have a ga uh very Hansons, who was a uh a, who swam on the team for four years and then um was a volunteer assistant for one year and this is her final year with us she helped out a little bit as well um as far as having smaller groups in the water i think it's it's easier because of the way like i choose to coach um I like to be standing over top of them with a stopwatch and with my eyeballs on them. And also we use, we use a lot of equipment. You know, it's, it's hard to fit, you know, 20 people onto a power rack when you have six power racks. And, you know, if we're going to place an emphasis on power swimming in our program, we're going to have to design a practice environment that fits in with the, with the equipment that we have. So, you know, it's, it's all good and well to say, you know, we're going to have, you know, 30 people and we need to work on power and here's six power racks, do the best that you can, you know, we're just going to cut up that group and do a bunch of smaller groups and, you know, create a little bit better of a practice environment where people can have access to the things that they need. And uh, that's, that's just how we choose to do it. And I think that works really, really well for the type of swimmer that we get in. Uh, specifically, we get a lot of international students and a lot of kids that just like they don't have a ton of swimming experience before. So having a smaller group allows me to have, you know, a lot more focus on individuals, like whether or not I need to kind of sit down and talk to you about 
what you did back home, what your swim culture is, or I need to, you know, talk to you about, you know, oh, we have to learn how to do a pullout today because we might have never been taught before. <laughs> and and having that extra time and space with a small group allows me a lot more latitude as a coach to like really like lean into one athlete uh, rather than I have a group of 30 and I'm going to shout across this pool. And if you get it, like you get it. And if you don't, you know, I have to move on. Um, so I, I like that environment a lot more so that I can really kind of connect with each athlete and hopefully give them a little bit more of what they need. Yeah, absolutely. And so give us an idea of what, what a D2 schedule might look like. Cause you know, it's like, I think a lot of people know the typical D1 swim schedule of like nine to 10 water workouts a week. You lift two or three times a week. It's like, you know, you're, you're putting in all this work, but, um, I mean, for, for you guys to get the results that you're looking for, what, how many practices is each athlete going to every week? Yeah. So we actually have a lot of variety as far as what we do. Uh, so on the surface level, our middle group, uh, which is run by Coach Reynolds and, and my group, Sprint, uh, they do eight practices a week and three lifts per week. But uh, we have some weirdos in, in those groups. Distance, uh, they, they run nine uh, practices per week and three lifts per week. In my group, we have people who swim as few as six times per week, and they lift as many as five times per week. And that's because we just get such a diversity of athletes in, in the team. Uh, I know that a lot of people have kind of looked at the Division II roster at, at some of the top programs, and you're like, that dude's 24. And that requires a practice environment that is different than an 18-year-old. And we as coaches have to be able to shift and pivot our coaching style and the environment that we create for that dude versus that 17 year old girl. And that means that our practice environment really, really is is malleable throughout the team. So most of the people in the group do some combination of eight practices in the water and three lifts, but we have some people who go on some wildly different schedules because of class requirements. Uh, we have people um, who, you know, their bodies just can't do what uh, a normal swimmer can do. And some swimmers just need different stuff. And we, as, as a coaching staff, really want to be on the side of, we're going to give you what you need rather than we are beholden to this idea of, you know, this schedule that we have created. And that's, and that's how we create each, each individual swimmer's kind of like path. So that brings up an interesting question and let's, let's give a specific example. Carol Ostrowski, uh, you know, he went 19 in the 50, 41, five in the hundred. Um, this is a two part question. So I'll ask the first one. So part a of this question, you said, you know, like you said, you look at a D2 roster and sometimes like this dude's 24. I think there are a few people in our comment section. There are a few people in our comment section who are always bent out of shape, but this mm-hmm. since this specifically, you know, Carol is, is eligibility wise a freshman. And I, I believe he just turned 21. And so there were a few people who were like, Oh, this dude's 21. Like, you know, which a college swimmer being 21 is, is nothing new, but because eligibility wise, he was a freshman. Um, you know, people were bent out of shape. Give, give me a little perspective as a D2 coach of, of why you're okay with this situation. I think, and the way in which I approach 
what D2 swimming is, is it is a way that people can access the NCAA system with the understanding that you're coming for an education and you might have done other stuff too. It's not the NCAA system division one where you have a lot of rules that you have to follow. The way in which I describe division one swimming versus division two swimming is that we're just working with a much larger box of swimmers to, you know, to find, to search for, to find the right people. Division one is a much smaller box. They, they have to get kids between X age, X age, you know, they are signing, they are signing in all eyes between X time, X time. And if you don't start by, you know, this date, sorry, um, you know, you, you can't anymore. And that is taken away from you. But at the division two level, the idea behind it is that we understand that people come from lots of different life paths, lots of different backgrounds and situations. And they shouldn't be like cast aside from the NCAA just because they went to be part of the national team for a bit, or they decided to stay at home or, you know, they didn't know English yet. And, and those are all things that we believe that, you know, we have this idea of jury university as we're the place where we're cool with that. And we think that makes us better. We think that all of their lived experiences only bring a lot of cultural richness to our team. Now, I think it was um, two years ago or three years ago, we had, we had some all legit Olympians on the team, like who had already been to the show. And it was the coolest thing to watch these like legit Olympians, like take these like, like quivering, like just graduated from high school, like true freshmen from like, Missouri from Texas and just be like no this is what this is what you need to be thinking about when we're doing x or y or z and they can really like breathe some swim experience into these people in a way that I can't and and I think that is probably the most critical thing about creating a division 2 team is the the cultural experience is just so rich we have so many people who've done so many cool things. We have so many people who are coming in with very fresh eyes to the sport, and all of those ideas together really make for an interesting practice environment and an interesting experience to go through. I love that answer. That's that's so cool. You basically you're telling me <laughs> this is a D one box. This is a D two box. And uh, and we we play within this box. That's that's basically yeah. it. That's basically yeah. It. Yeah, as, as my, um, as a political science major in undergrad, as my advisor, Dr. Reed would say, rules matter. And, you know, <laughs> we have different rules. And we're totally going to do that because, you know, we think playing within those rules makes us a better team. Uh, not just that we can go get fast people, but we can get cool people on this team. And they, they are really awesome to work with. Yeah. And so, so part two, part B of my, uh, of my question is you talked about, you know, how, how malleable your schedule is giving the athlete what they need. You take Carol Ostrowski. What is his weekly schedule? Like, um, you know, how many, how many water workouts, how many weight workouts and what do they look like? Yeah. So 
Carol goes eight practices a week. Uh, he has he has a very mundane schedule compared to um, <laughs> some of the other weirdos that we have. Um, I think they're great, you know, and they take a lot of time to, you know, really iron out what they need, but it's awesome. Um, so Carol does three weight workouts, um, eight water workouts per week. You know, two of those workouts are primary kick workouts. Uh, you know, short course yards is a kicking game and you better be really good underwater. You better be able to hold your legs together. And that's what we focus on in the mornings. Um, at night, you know, we, we are a team that really believes in a lot of power and fine detail work. You know, we go fast a lot. Um, and, and that's just how the cookie crumbles. Um, you know, we are a team that also believes in recovery. So Wednesdays, you know, he, you, or he and everybody else usually been on Wednesday morning, unless you have a class conflict, obviously. Uh, and we have some people go this morning and they get tonight off. Um, and then, you know, through the back half of the week, you know, he does a little bit of 200 pace uh, as we kind of go through the season more, because that's what he feels like he needs. And that's what we've kind of identified as, what he's going to focus on later in the season and what he's probably going to end up focusing on at NCAAs and, and throughout the rest of the season. You know, earlier in the season, we are kind of tinkering around with this idea of, are we going to swim the 100 fly? Are we going to swim the 100 back? Are we going to swim 203? What's kind of our final event that's going to round out our NCAA schedule? And, you know, all of those things kind of take place in, in different parts of the week. So, you know, if we were doing, you know, 100 back instead of a 200 free or 100 fly instead of a 200 free, we'll put in a little, we'll sprinkle in a little bit more butterfly backstroke work on like Wednesday and Thursday. But, you know, now that we're probably going to lock in and do the two free, that's probably going to kind of pull back a little bit. So he is a dude that we are breaking out. And like I said, we have some subgroups in there. We have a subgroup that works on 200 free work on, on Fridays and sometimes Saturdays depending on the week's schedule. Uh, but his his practice schedule, by and large, isn't the weirdest that we have. <laughs> nice. I, that, that's pretty cool. Um, so next, let's get into you as a coach. Um, you know, you're you're in charge of the sprint, guys. Um, you, you text me every once in a while. You kind of bounce ideas off me, which I love. Um, I am a coach at a much lower level. Uh, I'm certainly no D2 college coach. Um, but I like hearing your ideas and I like offering advice where I can or, or getting advice from you. And so, um, tell me about how you've kind of evolved as, as a college coach and how you found your rhythm, um, in that sprint group. Yeah. So, you know, this, um, when I swam, I was not a sprinter. I was not that good. I was a stroker IMer, and I, yeah, and I definitely coached girls who were way faster than me, uh, which is a humbling experience. But especially when you're on your first rodeo, you're like, oh. Um, I remember going back to time when I was an 18 year old dude, uh, and and I think I think that's that's kind of fun. You know, there is a moment in time where you know, you have that new swimmer walk in, they're like, Coach Tech, what did you swim? And I was like. 200 breaststroke kind of like don't look <laughs> up my times um, exactly so uh I, I started off uh coming out of college i graduated from washington baptist university which is another division two school that is uh, i think five hours south of here and great experience some of my some of my teammates are actually kind of cool coaches right now uh, most notably like like jason polano the spreadsheet wizard 
he he graduated with me. That's really cool. Um, and then Dawson Pritchard, who was my roommate, is actually now the assistant coach there. So uh, graduated with all of these cool coaches who went off and did their thing. But after that, I actually went back up to Columbia and coached with you. And I was taking graduate courses at Mizzou. And I was like, I'm going to go to graduate school. I'm going to be a history professor. And I started coaching age group with Columbia Swim Club and I started coaching in high school and I kind of just got really wrapped up into it. And every time that there was something you want to do, I decided to do it. And I remember, you know, I was sitting at a coffee shop, much like this one. And I was drinking uh, from a cup that was almost as big as this. And I was sitting with a stack of books on one side and um, an open email on the other side with a bunch of parent emails that you go through when you're a club slash high school coach. And you know, one oddly enough, my my English teacher walked in from high school, just like walks in the door and he's like, dude, what are you doing? You look like a crazy person. Why don't you pick one thing and be good at it? And I was just like, this is really powerful life advice. For me. So I decided to go fully bore into coaching and, you know, haven't really looked back since. But I think my biggest transition in my coaching life was going from Columbia Swim Club and high school coaching into college coaching specifically at Drury. And I think the most important thing about me coming to Drury was I got access to everything. One of the things that, you know, I talked about this on like a little webcast thing that I did on the Swim Coaches Idea Exchange about how coaches learn. And we are entering this new age of coaching, you and I, where young coaches can learn virtually everything they need to know about coaching from an exercise physiology standpoint, from a management standpoint, from the internet. I don't have to talk to almost a soul and I can go out and get like uh, a legit full master's degree level education almost on the internet without talking to anybody. But we still have this class of coaches that predates us who learned how to be a coach in a very different way. And they learn uh, in kind of an apprenticeship model where they have sat with other coaches. And the thing that was very powerful for me was I got to not only hang out with Reynolds, uh, Thomas, who's a great coach. I got to hang out with Doug Schrank, who's, who's a great coach. Uh, but they unlocked the doors for every coach that I could ever want to talk to. Drury University and, and specifically Reynolds being so kind of ingrained into the swimming community, I can walk onto any deck that I wanted to and talk with any coach that I wanted to and really get their two cents as far as what they were about and, and what they wanted to do and what they were getting out of this practice and that practice. And that was super important for me. It really opened my eyes to see what really is out there because there are some people who do swimming in ways that I don't understand, but it works. And being able to take down notes and, and talk with those coaches really freely was awesome and that really opened up my eyes to you know really start thinking outside of the box what can happen in the world of swimming and that was kind of my my bouncing off point of my evolution of swimming. yeah and and like you said it's really cool that i mean the internet changes so much right <laughs> i mean there's there's so many learning tools, learning devices at the, at the tip of our fingertips, especially like you said, as young coaches, 
Um, and that can manifest in, in pretty neat ways. And so tell me about, you know, now tell me about these last couple of months. How have you been, how have you guys been training? What have you been, you know, you said there's a heavy power emphasis for your group, but, um, what kind of stuff have you guys been doing under these conditions, but just generally, what have you kind of emphasized as important? Yeah. So I thought, you know, back when the pandemic started, this is our moment to like really reimagine swimming. I watched um, CSCAA did a podcast with, or a little talk show with Bob Bowman, where he was talking about what to expect when you come back. And, you know, from that, I 100% kind of went full bore into this. I can reimagine what we do. And I can try and take something into a wildly different direction from a boots on the ground swim perspective, from an organizational perspective, from a recruiting perspective, this is our time to take a hard left turn and do something that you know maybe people aren't familiar with or aren't comfortable with. And you know, admittedly, most of that stuff was off deck. Um, the stuff that we are just like new, we're doing something really weird, and it's awesome. It's so cool because I'm a person that believes that it's not just about practicing in the water. It is about, you know, the 100% the organism that is a swim team and how you care for it and how it grows. And, you know, doing stuff outside of the, outside of the pool space that does really care for our organism and that will allow it to grow has been really cool over the last few months because we have just been able to do stuff that's really weird. Um, but in the water, uh, since we haven't been really forced to change a whole lot of the stuff that we did. And we didn't have an opportunity to really evaluate how last year worked because our NCAAs just canceled. Um, we kind of like, I just ended up talking with a lot of the coaches here and a lot of the coaches that I, again, met on the internet or um, met uh, in passing with, with Coach Reynolds. And, you know, I 100% applaud the community of like young coaches for just being willing to just, yeah, I'll take your call. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's let's see what you got and kind of come up with this new system. Uh, so one of the things that I think is really important is you know, educating the swimmers, giving them everything that you're going to do and sticking to your plan. So before season even started, I, like many coaches, kind of create the season plan. It's a spreadsheet. The spreadsheet has a bunch of different tabs on it. Swimmers can kind of just like click through the tabs. I don't know if they do that because they're 20 and you know, they can, they can basically digest almost everything that we're going to do from a moment's glance. Be like, Oh, on this day, we're going to do like our main sets, like eight seventy fives on four minutes, max effort. And you know, we're going to record our times and then we're going to do that set again on this date and they know it. Uh, so I think creating a lot of, planned structures for the swimmers has been really, really helpful. They they know where training is going. They can see it and the progression is really clear. I think that happens everywhere in, in my program as far as I go as a coach. So the other thing that we went like full bore into is uh, for our power work, we do everything based on like linear programming. Uh, I kind of just like snatched that from strength and conditioning and I made the big assumption that a lot of our swimmers might not be as well prepared 
this year or in general for training at all. And the best thing to do when you're not well prepared for training, and a lot of people get this basic advice when they go to gym for like the first time, start out with one thing, do it a little bit. Next week, we're at on a little bit more. And then you kind of keep this plotting slow methodical pace. And I think one of the things that allows us to be successful is that we plot. Um, we have a plotting slow methodical pace to power to adding on, you know, max effort work to adding on pace work. We, you know, add on in very manageable increments over long periods of time. And I think that's, that works. Um, you know, it's, it's really simple. The swimmers digest it and they're like, I know that this week I'm going to do X amount of under pace work, X amount of max effort work. I'm lifting X on the rack next week. Gonna be like 10% more maybe. Um, and that's how the swim, that's how the practice has evolved over the course of the entire semester or the entire season. So we, we really stepped it back and, and created a program that's like super cut and dry. And there's not a whole lot of extra bells and whistles going around. You know, I personally don't feel like I'm well-versed enough in exercise physiology. I miss all of the YouTube videos that you can watch uh, to really kind of like get into the weeds with, oh, how am I really going to integrate colors here? How, how can I make uh, John Urbanchek proud? <laughs> um, that's, that's, <laughs> not something that I, <laughs> that's, that's not something that I feel is in my wheelhouse yet as a coach. And that's, not something that I feel like would really work as well as really clear progressing sets for the swimmers that we do have because it takes away a lot of the guesswork. They know what they're doing tonight. They know it's they know what they're getting into tonight. And and I think that kind of lets them really prepare and really really set themselves up for success. Yeah. I I I like I like information, right? I like the idea of here's this information, here's here's what it's going to look like so you don't you, like you said take away the guesswork and they can they can prepare for it. Uh and obviously, I think you have some coaches who have the philosophy of well, you don't tell them because you got to be prepared for anything, but <laughs> I I like having the information. Yeah, uh, like they don't they don't know exactly what we're going to do. They don't know like oh, they're going to do like 25 fast, 25 easier than you like a bunch of 25s in a row that are all fast. Um, you know, they just know that like tonight we're going to work on 100, 100 work. Tonight's 100 work night and uh, tonight's back half 100 work. So, you know, I'm probably going to be doing a, a lot more volume of, of fast stuff. I know exactly what my times are going to be that I'm supposed to hold on this stuff and ready to go. Or like Tuesdays technically are like our out are like our, our day that we work on getting out for the hundred. So it's like, Oh, we might be going off the blocks tonight. And Zach will probably post that we all, or, or, you know, we, you know, we'll talk about it beforehand. We might do, you know, some very like snippets of just very fast running on big rest. And, and they know that's going to be the deal. Um, or on Monday, they know that I'm probably going to ask them to do something really weird in the water. Like whether that's, you know, swim with, I don't know what did we we didn't do anything too crazy uh on monday but like we're gonna really practice and hone in on freestyle with dolphin kick you know i think that's a really effective and important drill and we're we're gonna work on that for a while and then you know i want you to do 100 ims laying on your kickboard like a surfboard and um 
uh, with tennis balls. And they, it's something that like lets them have fun at the end of practice and you know, they get a kick out of it. And I think it's kind of important to let them play around in the water. So they, they know kind of what's going on. It's just that they don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, but it'll, it allows them to kind of like really mentally prepare. Like everybody walks in on Thursday knowing it's going to be, we're going to do like 8.50s max effort on four minutes. And we're going to record your times and we're going to see if you got better than last time. They know that that's going to happen. And they get hyped up about it. They really get excited about the opportunity to swim fast. I think, uh, yeah. And like I said, I think that's a good thing. Um, I want to switch a little, one of the last topics I want to, I want to cover. Um, I want to take it back and, and get into your swim story a little bit and kind of tie that into where you are now, because I think it's really interesting. And I think it's a valuable story for a lot of people. You know, I, I'm, I'm someone who, um, was on Columbia swim club from the time I was like nine years old and I didn't always like it, but by the time I high school rolled around, I knew a lot of the people and, um, I, I was into it and my older brother was into it. And I remember, you know, first day of high school practice, uh, freshman year. And I look over, I was like, who is this kid? I've never, you know, he's, he's not from CS from CSC. I don't know who he is. And, you know, it's like, that's, I'm, I'm fairly certain that's like when you started swimming was in high school. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And then, you know, it's like by the, and, and at that point I was like, well, I'm obviously going to swim in college. And by, you know, by the end of senior year, I did not swim in college and you did swim in college. And then you went to, you know, you, like you said, you swam in a D2 program and, and had a really positive experience. And now you're, you're a D2 coach and, and, and having a positive experience. And I think a lot of club swimmers, club swimmers particularly can get wrapped up in that idea of, well, I have to swim at a D1 school. And if I'm not going to swim in a D1 school, then like, what's the point? Um, and so I, you know, T tell, tell us your story of how you got into swimming a little, you know, just how you came to be a high school swimmer, how that was a positive impact. And then how, how you continued that journey into maybe a, a, a journey of swimming that not everyone gets to see. Yeah. So I started swimming like, uh, like a month or two before I walked on the high school's deck. I was just like, I should, I think this sounds cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and do be a high school swimmer. Um, and I kind of signed up for, you know, there was, there was this other club team in town called Mockers and, um, you know, that pool still exists today. Mockers Swim School is effectively where everybody in Columbia learns how to swim. And it just so happens, like, I did that. I just did it like 10 years after everybody else learns how to swim. So I show up at this place, kind of like swim for, you know, a month. And then I like walk into high school practice. And, you know, I met you, I met your brother, I met a lot of other interesting individuals on that high school team. Um, you know, I think, I think the thing that kept me coming back was that like, people were really engaged with me as, as a person on this high school team. I think that, you know, it was like that, that like original group of, I think the sophomores and freshmen on that team, like really just like, no, you have to come swim CSC. Like after my first year there they were like you have to come swim and I was just like sure let's do it and uh I remember I just showed up at practice one day um and Phil was there uh Phil Garvick was was the head coach at that time and we were just kind of like standing in the stands and I was just like I don't know what to do uh, and I was at Mizzou and I was this was the coolest pool that I'd never been to if if any of you guys have ever been to Mizzou like it's it's a 
completely facility. But the pool that we practiced at for high school, the pool that I started coaching at, not a sweet facility. Uh, <laughs> it was the six lane, 25 yard by 25 meter L that is old. And, you know, we existed there. It was a great time. Lots of memories are made. But, you know, I come in kind of like starry eyed about oh my gosh, this is real swimming, real swimming happens here. And then I kind of like get in and, and as most of my club coaches would say, like, I wasn't like a super dedicated, intense swimmer. I just kind of got by on being like athletic and good at some stuff. And, you know, I, I kind of like made it through my, my senior year of, of high school, getting a little bit better every year. And, you know, I decided that swimming in college was something that I needed to do. Uh, It was, it had become so much a part of my life that I couldn't ever envision giving it up. And initially I went to a division one school, no longer, or no longer has a program. I went to the university of North Dakota, met a lot of cool people there. And, you know, I, I got to be a part of that program for, for a little bit and it was awesome. And I really valued that experience. And then I ended up, for a lot of reasons, coming back uh, for my sophomore year of college. And I went to a junior college and actually swam love again. And when I came back home, I really kind of set out this goal of, you know, I need to, I need to get better. I need to, I need to really get into swimming, and I need to really understand why, you know, why I wasn't as successful as I was year and you know I went through this long process of you know what am I doing how can I do it better you know how can I you know integrate all of these different things into my swim life so that hopefully I can get faster and did a lot of stuff didn't get faster <laughs> um, I, I my coaches would even say you know like Zach you kind of haven't worked hard that year too and we were kind of impressed at it uh and it just it just didn't click and I had this moment where I got back from my taper meet I was 19 at a meet with a bunch of 15 16 year olds so I already felt kind of out of place and I had set this goal of you know I wanted to go under a minute and 100 breaststroke and it didn't happen and I went into the locker room changed out of my tech suit and I was just like wow even though I didn't get my goal I can't imagine my life without this. I can't imagine me stopping now. I can't, you know, not show up to the pool on that day because that's not what I'm about. And lo and behold, I showed up to the pool on Monday, committed to going to Washtenaw Baptist University and, you know, continued showing up to the pool. And I met a lot of awesome people there. And I met, you know, my my head coach there, Ryan Kalecki. I still talk to him a lot. Uh, And, you know, created a lot of good relationships there. And I think that kind of like fed into, oh, I'm going back to Columbia. Like, I'm going to show up to a pool. I'm going to keep doing that. And that kind of threaded all the way through. I I just always feel like I, I really want to be there. You know, I think, you know, all of my athletes really understand that I'm excited to coach them every day. And it's not just the seven cups of coffee that I had before practice. It's, you know, I'm genuinely excited to go through that same process that I had with them. And I want to really kind of get down in the dirt with them and figure out what they need and how they need it. And we'll get faster somehow. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a good story. And I think that's like, like we said before, that's the benefit of if, if you like it, finding somewhere that's going to be a good fit, um, whether that's D one, D two back at a club. I mean, whatever. Um, if, if a good Testament to, if you like it, stick with it. Um, so to, to, to wrap things up, um, you know, you guys had this awesome, awesome midseason meet. Uh, what do the next couple months look like for, for the Drury sprint crew and for you personally? Yeah. So we actually have a meet next weekend. We're going to drive up to William Jewell, which is another division two school in Kansas city. We're going to swim short course meters because um, <laughs> they have a short meter school. And uh, I think our head coach, Coach Reynolds, actually held like the 800 record up until like two years ago at that pool. So they're, they're super excited. I know that Reynolds is really excited to go back to this pool. Uh, but that's that's kind of our meet on, on the horizon. After this, we obviously have winter break. Some of our swimmers are going home. Some of them are not. Uh, so we, we're working with our university on exactly what our, our COVID-19 protocols need to be to return to practice and to play as they kind of leave and come back. So that's still something that we, we're discussing with the university. I think you know, we have a plan in place for a lot of our international kids, and, and that's great. Um, I like to give them the certainty of, of knowing what's, what's going to happen for them. And after we kind of get back, we, we're going back into training, and we are excited that NCAAs is still a possibility, and we are a team that we're going to be responsible and we're going to you know stick to our own little enclosed team they are really great about hanging out with each other and you know making sure that they stay safe and, and that they can continue to train um, like they have been able to and and that's that's our direction so we have a we have a few meets on on the horizon i believe you know like i said next weekend william jewel i believe we're supposed to swim arkansas uh the university of and missouri st and then I believe we have a duel against Missouri State. And, and then we go off to conference. Um, so it's our conference is always fun me to be at. So the GLBCs is probably one of the cooler conferences to be in. You know, you've got a lot of the biggest, maddest schools in Division II swimming, um, you know, going to go duke it out there. And it's always a fun time. So we're really excited about what the remainder of this season is. Uh, we think that a lot of fast running is still yet to come. Nice. I'm I'm excited about what the rest of the season holds. I my fingers are crossed for fast swimming to come. Um, Zach, thanks so much for sitting down and taking the time to talk with me today with the the biggest cup of coffee I've ever seen. I know it's now empty. So sad. <laughs> thanks for having thanks for having me on, Coleman. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.